Hey there, Chris from the Mighty Decibel. Welcome back. Uh, this episode, we're going to be looking at uh, 10 of the most overrated albums from the 1980s, and I'm going to piss a lot of people off with this episode. I know that. Um, so a few things first. Uh, one, that uh, it doesn't mean that these albums necessarily suck. I'll point out the ones that do. <laughs> uh, it just means that, you know, the, the bigger the album, uh, the higher the chance that it's overrated, right? Uh, two, it's obviously subjective. What I might think as a good or just very good album uh, may be excellent in, in your opinion. Your opinion. Uh, and three, I'll attack this chronologically. So let's get into it. Okay, we start in 1980 and I immediately step in it big time <laughs> with one of the biggest sellers of the 1980s, Back in Black by ACDC. So yeah, I, I get the, I understand the love for this, you know, first album after Bon Scott dies, uh, you know, band coming through and pulling out all stops to make a winner. Uh, but come on, there's a couple of uh, things here. First of all, the last two songs on each side of the vinyl, uh, Let Me Put My Love Into You and Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution, that ain't A1 stuff. In fact, I, I'd say that they're weak enough that I bring the rating for this album uh, down from a 10 to a 9 out of 10, in my opinion. And then secondly, the band uh, had two previous albums, uh, Let There Be Rock and Powerage, which were immensely better than this one and should have the, uh, the reputation that Back in Black has. We stay in 1980 for our next one. It's the debut from the Michael Shanker group called the Michael Shanker group. So uh, again, I believe um, part of the excitement that still revolves around this, this album was because of the previous work that Shanker had with UFO and Scorpions. When you unwrap this baby, it's not a good album. There's uh, there's some good tracks on it. You know they've got "Victim of Illusion," "Armed and Ready," and the instrumental "Into the Arena." But the rest of it, pff, dour, depressing, filler at best. Uh, so altogether, not that great of an album. I, I don't know why people uh, just love this thing. Uh, and the same could be said for the sophomore album "MSG" as well.
Okay, we go to 1982 for our next three, which are really going to stick in the craw of a lot of people. <clears throat> the first one being Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. So uh, four arguments I have here. One is that at the time, uh, this uh, got a lot of attention for reasons other than the music. Uh, the replacement of the lead singer, obviously, being a big one. And uh, it was part of the conservative backlash against heavy music at the time with its uh, cheeky reference to Satan. Two, uh, number two arguments against this is the two most famous tracks here that the uh, lay fan would have uh, for this album, uh, Run to the Hills, and the title track, they're not that good songs. Uh, pretty middling affairs. Uh, three, uh, I would say that really the only strong tracks on this one are Hallowed Be Thy Name, The Prisoner, and a uh, 22 Acacia Avenue, although Invaders and Gangland are pretty damn good too. Uh, but the biggest argument for me is that the two preceding albums, The Debut and Killers, are just better albums than this one and should have received the love. talk Screamer for Vengeance by Priest. Uh, you know, first argument against this is the banal single, You've Got Another Thing Coming. I hate that song. I, I, just unbelievable that it became a hit. Um, and two, there are some uh, great tracks here, legendary tracks, uh, Electric Eye, Riding on the Wind, and, and the title track. Uh, but there's tons of duds here that people seem to ignore. Uh, Fever, Pain and Pleasure, take these chains and the uh, another thing coming uh, personally i'd take a uh, point of injury any day Third and last album from 1982 is Diver Down by Van Halen. 
like, come on, it's abysmal here. When you look at the, the, the track listing, you got 12 songs, of which five are cover tunes, two are throwaway instrumentals, so you're left with five original tracks, of which only two of them are worth anything, those being Hang 'em High and The Full Bug. This is just lazy. You know, the band is already lazy, but this one is even phoned in for them. A shameless, obvious cash grab, and it worked to the tune of four million plus in in the U.S. There's no accounting for taste. to 1983 now for one of the most egregious sellouts of the new wave of British heavy metal. Of course, we're talking about Def Leppard. So most fans would point to 1987's Hysteria, but I'm looking at you, Pyromania. <laughs> uh, you know, when this album came out, I immediately hated the damn thing because I could see that they were turning away uh, from metal. That it was nothing close to On Through the Night or High and Dry Records, amazing records. This was clearly a turn towards uh, dumbing down, commercialization, and popping, uh, popping things up. Yeah. now for Love It's First Sting by Scorpions. So there's a parallel here with Maiden's uh, Number of the Beast in that its, uh, its success was powered by a couple of middling singles, and here it's even worse than sing uh, middling in my mind, those being Rocky Like a Hurricane and Big City Nights. Big City, Big City Nights. Uh, and come on, face it, when you put this side by side with Blackout, which record is better? Come on, it's not even close. So love at, at uh, first sting in my mind always marked the place where uh, the band started its downward tra trajectory uh, that you could hear from Berlin to New York.
1986 now, and there's going to be whales of anger on this one. It's Master of Puppets by Metallica. So, okay, <laughs> settle down, people, settle down. <laughs> it's a very good record. Uh, but a couple of arguments here. Uh, one is that Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning are superior. And uh, two, I would say Ride the Lightning should be uh, held as the best album by the band. Three, uh, I always looked at Master Puppets as Ride the Lightning Part Two and an inferior one at that. I'm a huge status quo fan, so you know I was stoked at the time I heard that the band was reforming uh, in 1986 after their success opening the Live Aid concert. Uh, and it seems quo heads uh, overseas, not in North America, unfortunately nobody knows them here, um, uh, seem to uh, take to this album in the army now uh, on the basis of that being chuffed that they reformed. Uh, but this is not a good album, my god. Uh, so the problems are many. Uh, first, the single, the title track single, is awful, just pure pablum, and it's still played to this day. Um, I don't get it. Uh, two, there's too many cover songs and too many outside writers. And most egregious of all, the third argument is that the overall uh, sound here is light, way too thin, too poppy. There's no uh, hard boogie of old to be found at all. We might as well piss off some Guns N' Roses fans as our last overrated album of the 80s. It's 1987's Appetite for Destruction. So personally, I'm, uh, I was a huge fan of the uh, Aerosmith, 70s Aerosmith. And I heard, you know, all the papers and, and magazines were saying that, that Guns N' Roses were going to be the next Aerosmith. 
Uh, personally, I could never get past Axl Rose's irritating nasal uh, whining. I, 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 to be honest, I haven't even listened to this in full. I always, you know, listen to the first, you know, 20, 30 seconds of, of uh, each track and go, yeah, it's okay. And then when he starts singing, I just shut down. Uh, that being said, uh, Slash's guitar works pretty good. that's it our 10 overrated albums from the 80s did i miss any uh, throw some comments down below there uh so, so uh remember to join us every monday for new release mondays uh tuesdays we have our in 40 minutes segment where we curate the best 40 minutes of underrated bands or eras of bands thursdays is where we do our best ofs uh, uh, top tens that sort of thing and remember to hit our website, www.themightydecibel.com. Have a great one.